I heard of a little boy who walked into an ice cream parlor one day. And he walks in and he asks the lady, how much is two scoops of ice cream? And the lady responds, 75 cents. And so he counts his money and he looks at her and says, well, how much is one scoop of ice cream? So she, she says, only 50 cents. And so he says, I'll take one scoop of chocolate chip ice cream. My favorite, by the way. And so she scoops the ice cream, and she hands the ice cream to the little boy. And the little boy just puts his money right on the counter, takes his ice cream, and walks out. And the lady kind of gets busy, but then she goes back to the counter to notice how much money he put down for her. And sure enough, he put 75 cents. Instead of thinking about how much he could get out of the deal, he thought about what he could give her. And while the kid had plenty of money to buy two scoops of ice cream, he considered what he could offer back to her, more than just a means of consumption. And it makes me wonder, what if we were people like that? People who considered the people around us and left some room for them, instead of squeezing ourselves to the very edges of who and what we have. Today, we begin this four-week series on tithes and offerings. And as we have anticipated the start of this sermon series, I have heard both anxiety and excitement about the church talking about money. But what I hope you hear from us pastors is that money is not all you have to offer. When we talk about tithes and offering, we are suggesting that your time, your talent, and your treasure is worth offering back to God. And that word tithe is found in the Old Testament, originally used to discuss to give 10% of what you have to the Lord. And when the Lord commanded the people to do this, he talked about their fields to not reap to the very edges of their field, but instead leave a little bit behind for the people around them. And for many of you, a 10% tithe is, is far too much. And I totally get that. But if I was up here to ask you for money, that would be far too short-sighted. What this series is about is heart transformation that we believe in a God who is in pursuit of you. And it's his work in your life that will reorient your heart to treasure the things that he treasures. And if nothing else today, let us take away the courage to examine our hearts. Money is the second most talked about subject by Jesus. The first is the kingdom of God. And yet, Jesus never asked for any money. He never asked for any. Instead, he reveals over and over again that money can either be a means or it could be a master. Hear me. Jesus cares more about where your heart is than the quantity of your treasure. 
What you hear from Jesus today is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that includes your time, your talents, and your treasures. And all of those things can be used mightily for kingdom work. So let's pray. And then we're going to dig into God's word together. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we are so thankful. Thankful that you allowed us to be here. Thankful that you have given us ears to hear. Bodies that can be present. Minds to consider and think deeply, God. What you have given us, we so often take for granted. So we pause to just say thank you. God, thank you for the ways that our bodies don't work. Some of us know that reality more so today than ever before. We know people whose minds don't work quite right anymore, or bodies that don't work right, or maybe we have them. And so, God, would you help us to know that the body we are placed in is a living sacrifice? Something that we can use to display your kingdom work. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts to your word. That you would shape us and transform us. That we would hear today how we can offer back to you our time, our talents, and our treasures. God, all we have is yours. Remind us that even when what we have is little in the world's eye, it is more than enough for you. We seek to be led by your spirit. And it's in the strong and steady name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19 through 24. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. And we are going to read starting in verse 19. Let's read God's word. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today, as we examine the text we will look at, I want to focus on two treasures, two sets of eyes, and two masters. Matthew, the author of today's text, recounts in part what is titled as the Sermon on the Mount. Beginning in chapter 5 of Matthew, he recounts Jesus' teaching and what it means to disciple under him. What, or better yet, how are we supposed to change our lives in response to Jesus? But I want you to be aware, the people Jesus is talking to are urban people. 
They are people that lived hand to mouth. They are people who lived in mostly poor, dismal, everyday existence, trying to figure out how to get enough for the next day. Many people imagine Jesus' original ministry in rural Galilee with rolling green hills, expansive blue skies and boundaries. And let me tell you, our flannel graphs do not help us in this matter at all. But life in their setting and ours is hard. Some people may have been wealthy, but the vast majority of the people Jesus was talking to lived hand to mouth. They were not people who lived in excess. They were people who were compelled by Jesus. They clung to his words. They were challenged by him. And I pray that we would become those kind of people too. And so Jesus starts by saying there are two treasures, treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. And he says that treasures on earth get moth, have vermin, and thieves can break in and steal. For Jesus, the people he was talking to, their earthly treasures were things like cloth, grain, precious metals. And similarly, what the earth defines or what our world defines treasures here on earth are much the same. Fancy clothes, delicious foods, precious metals, money. And all of those things Jesus said do not last. They get moss. They retain vermin. Thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, he reveals to us that we are to treasure things in heaven because those things can never be taken away from you. And even more, that where we invest those treasures, there our hearts will be also. Jesus teaches us that our heart follows what we treasure. When we invest our time, our talents, our treasures, it reveals where our hearts are headed. Something I've woken up to this last week, self-deception is scary. Awareness is our greatest tool. Becoming aware of what our heart treasures is hard. But awareness of that can change us. And one of the reasons I wanted to speak on this passage is because it's convicting for me too. The things, not only where we invest our money, but where we invest our time and our talent reveals what our hearts are treasuring. Hear me plainly. Jesus does not say the only treasure in heaven is at church. If that were so, why did we spend 12 weeks saying here as it is in heaven? The places you call here, we want those places to become like heaven. And where we tie those two together today is, man, how do we invest our time, talent, and treasure into those places? When God commands the Israelites back in the Old Testament to give 10%, he commands them to give their first fruits, not their leftovers. 
And it begs the question, does God get what you have left in the bank? Or does he get the best at the very beginning? Because let's be honest. There is so often that all I have left to give to the Lord is not much. Because I'm giving it away every other place. Jesus tells us instead, give your first fruits to me. He then tells us there's two sets of eyes, healthy and unhealthy. Healthy eyes in the Greek infer someone who was generous. Unhealthy eyes are eyes that are stingy. A friend of mine said this to me this last week, talking about this new sermon series, saying, hey, man, I'm kicking this series off, and this is what she said to me. The question is not, how much of your things are you going to give to God? But how much of God's things are you going to keep? Go ahead and leave that one up there for just another second, Lucas. You moved it too quick. That's okay. How much of God's things are you going to keep? Man, that changed the question for me. I must confess that I paused before I answered her. I want to give everything back to the Lord because I know he can use it. But in the day-to-day of my life, I have often become stingy, protective. And my time is probably the thing I struggle with most. I keep most of the things God gives me. I find a way to play it to my benefit rather than giving it away without hesitation. How much of God's things do I keep? My answer? Far too much. And yet I am so grateful that God's word shines into the recesses of my heart and actually invites me to consider what would it be like to give more of what I have back to God. And I wonder what that would be like for you. Lastly, Jesus says there's two masters, money or God. And when Jesus says there's two masters, he is not saying you have two employers. People can work for two employers. A slave cannot have two masters. And Jesus lays it on the line saying, you pick. It's either money or God. Money can be a master or it can be a means. A means in which it allows you to give back to God what he has graciously given you. To invest your treasures in heaven. To use it as a means to shine God's light in the world but it also has the power to make you a slave. Man, those words sting. And yet the very next thing Jesus talks about here, after money, verse 25, if you still have your Bible open, I'd love to read it. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food 
and the body more than clothes? Man, I was reading commentaries this week. The resounding answer, well, of course. I know that. But how do I live? The imperative when Jesus says, do not worry. He's not saying to not have appropriate feelings of concern or care for something or someone. That's concern. Jesus is not saying don't have concern. But what Jesus says here is more as though he's saying, do not allow your worry to be misdirected or misproportioned. Because what Jesus says in this text is that when you make God your master, not your money, this rat race of never having enough, it gets ended. When you make God your master and not your money, then what you desire is God, and he satisfies you. When what you treasure is treasures in heaven, intense feelings of anxiety and worry dissipate at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came that you may have life and have it to the full. Hey, friends, Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Friends, I pray that in the next three weeks here, you would learn and become better equipped to treasure the things in heaven, not the things on this earth. That you would know and believe in a God who is far more interested in where your heart is than the quantity of your treasure. And I love that at the beginning of this series, we start at the foot of the cross, We start by partaking in communion today, where we take these physical reminders like bread and cup and hear these words spoken over us. The body of Christ given for you, friends. The blood of Christ shed for you. That where you have once placed your treasure, whether it was this morning or this last week, friends, that has been forgiven Today, you have the opportunity to say, God, what I treasure is you. That today, God sees you as his own son, faultless, free, fully loved, fully forgiven. Because Jesus gave his life on behalf of you. Friends, why do we treasure the things in heaven? Because God's greatest treasure is you. His greatest treasure is you. He gave his life for you. And so I want to encourage you this next week, find one chance, one, it can be teeny, find one chance to use your money as an opportunity, as an action of faith. Spend it outside of yourself and your needs. Where you invest your time, your talents, your treasure is an expression of your faith. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I pray that you would examine closely your own heart to find, where is my treasure? Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, we ask that you would quiet our hearts. God, that in this moment, you would remind us of the bold truth that we are your treasure. God, that you gave everything away to get us. And your invitation to respond is to treasure you back. Help us to surrender all that you've given us. To share your name and your love with the people and places you have put us in. Help us have a heart transformation, God. Help us to steward all that you have given us. God, we're grateful for all you've given us. So let us give it away. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.